Watching the news can cause you to have unnecessary anxiety. But in this story, a young girl is almost saved by watching the news. She hears there is a killer on the loose and decides to double and triple check that all of her windows and doors were locked. Only that didn't stop the killer from entering her home. Hey guys, and welcome back to my podcast. I'm your host, Lulu, and it's great to talk to everybody today. How's your week been? Mine's been so hectic. It has been crazy. Um, anyways, I feel like I had an update for you guys, but I don't remember what it is. So we're just going to jump into today's episode. We are going to talk about two different stories today. The reason for that is because the original story, which is our first story that I had on the calendar, was actually shorter than I realized it was. Um, for some reason, you'll notice this, the because I, so I'll sit down usually a month in advance and plan my next month, what I'm going to do, what I'm going to research and things like that. Um, and for some reason, the stuff that I planned for January is a lot shorter than I realized, and I am sorry for that. And I really didn't want to do like a 10-minute episode because I hate doing episodes that short. So I figured, and I took a little bit longer on this, um, to find another kind of story that was sort of similar. So today, you get two stories from me, which is kind of exciting. Um, the first is called The Licked Hand. The Licked Hand starts off with a young girl. She is home alone that night and she ends up watching the news before she goes to bed. This was actually a very good thing because on the news they were currently covering that there was a killer on the loose and that they could not track him down. And she realized while listening to the news that this killer was actually around her neighborhood and they had asked on the news that if anybody had seen him or really anything suspicious, they needed to call authorities immediately because they had actually lost where he was. Since she was home alone, she decided that she was going to double and triple check that she had locked all the doors and the windows of the house. Once she was sure that she was locked in safely, she would take her dog to bed with her as sort of an emotional support animal. She knew that her parents were going to be out all night, um, and so she snuggled into her bed with her dog. The dog didn't like to sleep in the bed, though, with her and would jump off and crawl under her bed, and I have a dog just like this. She will usually sit on the bed with me for about 10 or 15 minutes, and then by the time I'm asleep or she just gets sick and tired of sitting on my bed, she always jumps off and moves somewhere else, most of the time under my bed as well. Either way, though, having the dog in the room with her made her feel comfortable because, you know, the dog would bark if somebody came into the house, wake her up, stir, and she was home alone besides this dog. Eventually, even though she was anxious and worried about, you know, this killer, she would fall asleep. Um, this didn't keep her asleep, though. She woke up a couple times in the night with anxiety and just laid in her dark room and just listened. Her parents were still not home at this point. I don't think they were supposed to be home till the next morning. And she would just lay there, listen, make sure everything sounded okay, and then eventually fall back to sleep. 
Usually though, when she would wake up, she would reach her hand around the bottom of the bed and sort of wake her dog up because then her dog could rub against her hand or lick her hand and comfort her knowing that she was still with the dog and not alone. At one point, she would wake up in the middle of the night and hear a dripping noise, which was very interesting because the rest, you know, the other time she had woke up, she, it was silent. She didn't hear anything. She laid in bed and listened to this dripping noise and because she was already, you know, anxious about this killer on the loose, she was home alone, it was pitch black in the middle of the night, she didn't want to get up and investigate what it was. It was most likely a dripping faucet or something like that, but she didn't feel the need to get up. Instead, she would do what she did a million other times, reach under the bed and make sure her dog was still there. If her dog wasn't there, of course, she would get up and worry. As soon as she reached under the bed and woke her dog up, the dog would lick her hand a couple times, comforting her enough to go back to sleep. And she finally went back to sleep and knew that she would just investigate that dripping in the morning. The dripping sound didn't stop in the morning and she would wake up and listen to it. At this point, it was bright outside. Her parents were really gonna be home any minute and she felt safe enough to get up and kind of figure out what was dripping, if it was a faucet or maybe like a broken window and it had rained or something like that. At the same time, she was going to grab a drink of water because her throat was kind of dry, so she got up and walked into her bathroom. As she was walking closer to the bathroom, the dripping noise got louder, leading her to believe that it was probably a faucet that was dripping. As she entered the bathroom, though, her eyes would meet a horrific sight. The dripping noise was her dog. Her dog was mutilated and hanging in her bathroom, dripping its blood onto the tile. That was what the noise was that she was hearing at night, her dead dog dripping onto the tile. She stared at this dog and then she remembered. Her dog had licked her hand that night though. As she turned, she saw written in blood were the words, humans can lick too. At that point, realization hit her that she didn't actually go and check the basement window, which had been left unlocked all night long. Meaning that someone, most likely the killer, had gotten in that night and hid under her bed, killed her dog, and was the one licking her hand when she got scared and would reach under her bed to find her dog. That's the end of the story. Like I said, a lot shorter than, you know, I realized it was, but I didn't want to change what I was going to do because it is an interesting story. And of course, like any other fatal fable we talk about on here, there are other versions of this story. In some other versions that you will find, it's not a young woman that's left alone. It's an elderly woman that lives alone. Um, this woman only lives with a dog and the story will follow the exact same storyline. She hears about a killer on the loose, takes her dog to bed with her. The dog lives under the bed and the human licks her hand. In other versions, the fate of the dog changes just a little bit. Um, in the story that I listened to and the story that I actually heard as a child, the dog was mutilated and hanging. In some stories though, the dog, like, I, like the last one, is mutilated and hanging. In others, the dog is completely skinned and hanging, the skin gone. Um, in some, it's actually disemboweled, so it's like cut open and all of its like bowels are hanging out and everything of its body. In other versions, the dog isn't hanging, you know, from 
like the bathroom wall. It's hanging on the mirror. So when she goes and gets a drink, she like comes face to face with it. But really, all of those stories are basically the same. The dog dies and is what's dripping in the bathroom. In other stories, though, they actually have an addition of the parents. They talk about how the parents come home that night and they had also heard of the killers. And they didn't find the dog already murdered yet, but they would do a house check when they got home and their daughter was asleep. During this house check, they did stumble across the killer who was hiding and waiting till somebody found him. Um, when the parents found him, he would actually murder the parents and then go on to murder the dog and the daughter. So everybody dies in that version. In other versions, they will do that house check and find him hiding in the basement. Um, sometimes he kills the whole family. Sometimes they call the police and get him arrested. Sometimes they find him in the closet and sometimes they even find him under her bed, laying and waiting. In another version, which is actually very interesting, and I do kind of like this version too, um, it talks about the same thing. The girl going to bed, um, reaching her hand under for her dog, and then waking up the next morning. Now, the next morning, she didn't hear a dripping or anything like that. She would just go downstairs and her parents were home. They would talk to their daughter about her night and kind of see what she was doing. And the daughter would talk about how she had seen the news and she was a little anxious, but the dog helped keep her calm because she would reach under and it would lick her hand, reassuring her that she was safe. During this conversation, the parents would uh, realize that that was not possible and informed her that the dog was actually locked in the basement or outside in some versions. And there was no way that she had taken the dog to bed because the dog, when they got home, was outside or in the basement. So something else was licking her hand. And then at that point, they would realize that there was one window that was left unlocked and that somebody had come and gone that night, but didn't kill them. In other versions, um, when she reaches under and the dog licks her, which we know at this point isn't the dog, she would fall back asleep and this person would crawl out from underneath her bed and either kidnap her or murder her and nobody's been able to find her, basically. So yeah, there's a million different ways that this story is told. The way that I told you though was the way that I was always told as a kid and it kind of brings a whole new thought process to monsters under the bed. As a child, most of the time you imagine real monsters and like furry, creepy monsters. But really a monster can be anything and in our day and age, it's more likely the monster under your bed is going to be somebody that broke into your house and is laying and waiting for you to go to sleep so they can murder you. I know most of us, myself included, don't look under our bed every night, but maybe if you have enough space under your bed for somebody to hide and wait for you, that might be one of the places that you also check before you go to bed because your door is unlocked during the day, which means while you're in the bath or in the bathroom or taking a nap, somebody could come in at any point and hide somewhere like under your bed and wait until the middle of the night and then they could murder you. Anyways, that's the story of the licked hand. Now, like I said, because it is shorter, we are going to talk about another fatal fable, which is also a shorter fatal fable. 
because this was about somebody licking the hand of somebody else, I figured doing another like hand horror story would be funner. This one I had never heard about and Ray actually helped me find it and it is really interesting. It is a little longer than the first one which is also kind of nice. This one is called The Hand. Now it starts off with a young policeman. This police officer worked in a town that had very, very little crime. Because of the low amount of crime they had, he had a lot of downtime. During this downtime, he would kind of wander the town, talk to the townspeople, get to know them, and learn about all of the gossip that was going on. At this point, this police officer would be friends with basically everybody there and not really have a lot to do. Like a lot of small towns, people will seek those out to move into and settle down in. And he always knew when somebody new was coming and a lot of the times they didn't stay very long. Um, it is hard in a very small, small town to move in and get to know everybody and really be accepted by those people. So I can see how people would come and go for a while. But there was someone new that had moved in that didn't really care about getting to know everybody in the town. They sort of stayed in their house, didn't really leave their house very often, didn't really care. Because of this gossip, you know, went around about him. And the officer decided that he was going to be the one that broke that ice for this new person to go and maybe talk to him, get to know him, and see what his story was. But he can't just go to his house and knock and hang out. He wanted to catch this man out and about in the town. Because he didn't leave his house very often, it made it very hard for the officer to catch him and get to know this man. And finally, one of the rumors came back to the officer that gave him the option to go and knock on the door. This rumor was that this man was running away from the law or that he was a pirate. Of course, there were the you know occasional rumor that he was a murderer and had gotten away with it, or he was murdering some people in that house and was using it to keep murdered victims in. Because of all of this rumors, like I said, it gave him the opportunity to knock and investigate this man to make sure these were just rumors and not fact. One morning, he approached that front door and would knock. This man opened it. He was a tall man with a very red beard and he was standing there and greeted the officer very nicely, which was kind of weird. A lot of people assumed this man was going to be grumpy and mean, but he was pretty nice. The officer started off with his normal questions and the man showed some paperwork to the officer that he needed to see. After the officer had seen the paperwork, there was really no other reason for him to stay. He couldn't just go in and investigate off of a rumor but this man would introduce himself and offer a drink for the officer, offering him inside. The officer took this opportunity and followed the man inside because if you guys didn't know, and at least this is how it is where I live, if an officer enters your home for any reason, that can be a 911 phone call, that can be because they asked to come in and you let them in, anything, and they see anything in the home that is suspicious, they can search your home. So basically, if you like smoked weed because it's not legal from where I'm living, where I'm at, um, and you like had a pipe or something or even something that looked like weed and the officer came in for a 911 call or something and they seen that at that point, they can search your house top to bottom because they have a reasonable cause. 
So when this man offered the officer to come inside, he took that and walked inside, probably hoping to, you know, maybe find something that he could search the house, some probable cause somewhere in the house. As they began to walk through the home, this man would tell the officer about how he was from the British Army and that he had served the army at one point and then finally retired and moved to this small town because all he wanted to do now was hunt and fish in all of these forests and lakes that were around. They sat down for their drink and they began to have just a normal conversation. The officer would ask a few more leading questions about his army, like his time in the army, just to try to get to know this man at this point. There was nothing in the house that really looked probable causey. He couldn't really search anything, but this man was opening up to the officer and he was going to take that opportunity. During this conversation, the man would begin to tell the officer about all of the dangerous animals that he had come in contact with and some that he had killed. But then he said, the most dangerous animal of all is man. This would make the officer a little bit uncomfortable because remember, there was some rumors about him being a murderer and he decided to ask this man if he had ever hunted a man. He expected the man, even if he had hunted, to say, no, 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 I would never. You know, I only shot for the army, blah, blah, blah. But to his shock, this man grinned and said that he had. He had hunted men before. He began by telling him that there was a war in Africa that he had served in, and then looked him in the eye and asked if he wanted to see a trophy from the war in Africa. Of course, the officer took him up on this. He wanted to know what he was talking about. The man would stand up and lead the officer into the living room. The living room had a ton of animal heads hanging up and stuffed. It was very clear that this man enjoyed hunting, all the windows inside were blacked out, and above the fireplace as a centerpiece was the trophy he was talking about. A single human hand. The hand was dried up and had turned black from aging, and it was matched with yellow nails. He had it mounted up with a chain from the ceiling. This man grinned at the human hand and said, that's my best enemy. He began to tell the officer how he had hunted this man for days in Africa, following him, searching for him, until he finally caught him. Once this man was caught, before he killed him, the man would take his axe and cut his hand off. Then he killed this man. He then laid the hand out in the sun to dry in an attempt to preserve it so he could take it home. He then laughed at the officer, who was very clearly uncomfortable, and said that he had to keep it chained up to keep the hand from running away. The officer couldn't break his eyes from the hand. He had never seen a human hand that had been chopped off, dried, and especially not ever seen one hung on someone's wall. At this point, he was done talking to this man. He didn't want to get to know him anymore. He just kind of said goodbye and he left. I'm not sure why he didn't get in trouble for this hand. Um, this is a story, so it's possible just for story reasons that he just didn't get in trouble for the hand. But either way, the officer would leave the house that day and decide that he didn't want to get to know this guy anymore and not go back. Then one day, he got a call. On this call, 
they told the officer that the new man that had moved into town, that he had visited days before, had just been murdered. He rushed over there to see what had happened. When he walked into the home, he saw the red-bearded man laying in the living room. He was on his back, and all of his clothing was ripped up. It was very clear that there had been a very violent struggle that night, and the red-bearded man had lost. As he looked at his body, he also noted that his head was black and swollen up. He was almost unrecognizable, and his neck was crushed with five finger marks on it. They concluded that the cause of death was strangulation. Then the conversation that they had had days prior sparked to his mind. The fact that he had to chain that hand up to keep it from running away. He had to be joking, right? The officer looked up at the fireplace. But the only thing hanging there now was an empty chain. This freaked him out a little bit. He looked back at the man and noticed that his mouth was sitting weird. He would gently open the mouth of the man and look inside. Inside of the mouth, there was a severed finger. They did remove this and they had a finger of the man that had killed him, but they never got any closer to solving his murder. The days would go on and the case would get colder and colder. The officer knew what had murdered him that night, and it wasn't an alive man, because they never found that hand in the house. Three months later, the officer would begin to have nightmares of that hand. It would come into his house and crawl around. It would break things apart. Sometimes it would grab him. These nightmares would go on until somebody would call the authorities. They had found a black, shriveled up hand on the grave of the man that had died. The officer responded. As he got to the cemetery, he discovered the hand that was hanging in the house that had gone missing. And the hand was also missing one of its fingers. The hand had gotten its revenge. It had murdered the man that had murdered its human. And now that it was done, it laid limp on his grave. No sign that it had ever been alive. And also no sign that it would come alive again. So remember, check under your bed from now on. You don't know if somebody's hiding under it. And if you're going to hunt anything, make sure it's good and dead before you mount it in your home because you never know if it's going to come alive and hunt you back in revenge.
This podcast may contain false or misleading information. If you are interested in knowing more about any stories shared on this podcast, I highly recommend doing your own research. All listeners are advised that these are stories and folktales. The information shared must be taken carefully and skeptically, because you never know what could be real and what's just a story. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you next time.